Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I'm Russell Tovey. And I'm Robert Diamond. And this is Talk Art. Welcome to Talk Art. How are you today, Rob? Today, Russell, I am feeling multidisciplinary. That's nice. And it's something I've maybe felt before because it's something I really believe in my heart of hearts is one of the most important things, not only within society, but also within the art world. The idea of bringing different people from different backgrounds together, but also different media, different art forms, even different spaces, um, collaboration, togetherness, and including like music with art, cinema with art, you know, like all of these crossovers that actually grow into something much bigger. And I know in our recent episode with um, Julian Schnabel, he actually sort of thought I was a bit crazy when I was talking about his collaboration with like Red Hot Chili Peppers when he did the artwork. But I really do. I'm a genuine passionate kind of believer in this idea that when you collaborate with different people who are differently talented, you know, whether they're like a songwriter or a filmmaker, like if you actually all come together, it makes something magic. Um, and I know that you yourself as an actor, Russ, have often collaborated, like you collaborated even at the ICA, which we're going to be talking about today, oh, with, yeah. with Eddie Peake, oh, um, who's yeah. an artist. So even he was thinking about that idea of merging different art forms together. Mm. And today's guest is an incredible curator and supporter of artists, a real kind of advocate for the creation of new art works and they recently became the new director of the ICA um, I think it was about a year ago or so and their main mission was to do exactly what I'm talking about bring bring back what the ICA the Institute of Contemporary Arts originally was founded as which is arts plural and it's this idea of all different kind of arts and a space for everyone to thrive together and that's always what it's been for me since my uh, late teens yeah. um, and I'm glad the other night we went to see the new show there by Gray Wroblewski and it was amazing wasn't it it was buzzing it was and wonderful. it felt like it was back and it was alive and thriving again so we are very proud to welcome on the 75th anniversary of the ICA in London Bengi Unsa Hi Bengi hey hi hi <laughs> How are you today? I'm fine, thank you. The weather is amazing outside. So yeah, that just changes my mood 100%. It's great, isn't it? The sun is it shining. It is great. So Rob, Rob was saying that you took over last year, but I have in my notes that you took over from March this year, but it was announced last year. No, actually it's uh, March last year. So oh, it's, it's March eight, 22. Wow. Yeah, 18 months now. Time flies. It does, doesn't it? It feels like yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> To me too, but like time is an interesting thing, isn't it? Like at days like this, it feels like yesterday, but like some busy days, it feels like three years ago. <laughs> and what, what has it been like then for the last year and a bit running the Institute of Contemporary Arts in London? It's been a joy. That would be the recapping word, I guess. It's been a joy, but with it has come with its challenges. It's been a really tough 18 months, I think, for the whole industry, not just for the ICA. 
coming out of the pandemic, everything took a little bit of time. Getting back to normal or the the old normal, the new normal, whatever mm. it is. And then also there was the Russia-Ukraine war. For the ICA, we had Arts Council cuts. So it has been kind of like back and forth with its challenges. But then again, it was our 75th year. So it had so much joy attached to it as well. And we had so many events. We had so many collaborations. So it's a, it's a time of change and it's super, super exciting. How would, how would something like the, the Russian-Ukraine war, how would that affect the arts in London then? Why would that be? I mean, uh, for us particularly, um, one of our exhibitions was going to Russia to Moscow, and then that meant we lost uh, some money and one of our collaborators in a way. So it had a direct effect on us. But also it's just like it's happening right across from our, you know, it's it's really close. Every kind of war or every kind of problem, I think, in the world coming from a, from a Middle Eastern slash European Asian kind of where continents meet kind of a city, it affects me directly, I would say, first of all, emotionally. And then because ICA is also a, a place where has always been this place that kind of reflects what's happening in the world today and the artists are being affected by it. So, yeah, it directly or indirectly affects us, I would say. Right, right, right. So the, the ICA was uh, founded in 1946. This is its 75th year anniversary by a collective of artists, poets and supporters. And within the 75-year tenure, you are the second female director. Within 55 years, you're the first female director. The first one was uh, a lady called Dorothy Moreland. She came in in 1951 for 18 years. And then since then, there hasn't been another female director. Now, this is something that whenever we read up about you running the space has been at the forefront. It's been so incredibly important. A, because it's incredibly shocking, but also B, because (laughs) for you, you wanted it to be something that people were really aware of, that this was the situation. I mean, with our shortcomings as well, we should be like really honest about it, isn't it? I think when I was first asked, actually, if I wanted it included in the press release, I had to really, really think about it because the reason why I got this job isn't because I'm Turkish or I'm female or anything like that. It's because I was chosen as the one who, like my my artistic direction, my vision kind of... um, sounded good to the board and they wanted to hire me. They saw my future with the ICA's future kind of coming together. So it had nothing to do with me being a woman. So I just didn't want to also, it wanted to become something. But then again, when I was actually reading about it, even before I applied for the job, I realized that there was this Dorothy Morland who kind of ran the institution the longest for 18 years. And she was actually a very important figure when pop art was kind of born, when YBAs were just like coming. It's she and the independent artists, she kind of basically gave the space to those artists. And she was a very important figure, but you cannot see much of her in the history of the ICA. And um, that's why it made me think, like, although I don't want it to be like this headline second director ever, uh, female director ever in ICA's history. I said, yeah, I mean, maybe somebody will see it and then we'll see, okay, maybe we can be inspired by that. And also I think 
More than that, I wanted to kind of pay tribute to Dorothy Morland in a way. Because that headline was being used, now I can talk about Dorothy Morland, who wasn't actually talked about as much. So, yeah. It's true. Like, I've been going to the ICA since 1999, when my dad bought me a membership um, as my uh, 18th birthday, I think it was. And, um, And I always remember all these different directors. And I even knew the kind of previous history, but I'd never heard of her. And it's really fascinating, these kind of hidden histories that are now, because people are beginning to uh, be more aware that they need to be searching back. Like I even heard about the Royal Academy and the Marina Abramovich being the first, you know, uh, female artist to have a huge retrospective across all those spaces in London right now. And then there's loads of people on Instagram messaging me saying, actually, Elizabeth Frink in 1985 did have 105 works in a major exhibition there. So it might not be in every single room that Marina's got, but like even Elizabeth Frink, like there's all these kind of people from history that we just, even recent history, that sort of get forgotten. Um can you tell us a bit more about her? Do you, do you, do you know, like, more? I mean, I, I, I'm not... The only other thing that I know more about her... Actually, she was really interesting. I have a book I haven't finished. I didn't have that. There's a book, <laughs> there's a book about her. But oh, I'd love she, to read that. Yeah, and she actually uh, took all our archive, ICA's archive, and gave it to the Tate, which is in a way it kind of preserved it. It was her who kind of started that, which wow. I find also very, yeah, wow moment for me. Uh, she was a very, very important person in my view. Uh, but yeah, I have to read more. Let's read the book. And you, you spoke about getting the job um, because of your vision. And you, you previously were at the South Bank Centre in London, which is obviously connected to the Hayward as well. But I know that you were very involved in Meltdown. And it got me thinking as well, because Russell was talking about the war and all these difficult times people are going through with cost of living and stuff. I feel like what I felt the other night at the ICA was that it was just a safe space. And it was like super fun, super queer, super um, like... Uh, multidisciplinary in a way it's like there were musicians there there were like really cool artists there there's all different kinds of people multi-generational as well multi-generational really yeah. young as well yeah. Russell and I both felt like old but it was exciting <laughs> you know we felt like we were in the coolest place you felt older but yeah but, but what, what, what have you brought from those kind of experiences like things like the meltdown that you um, and what is meltdown do? as well, well let's, for people who don't know yeah, I mean, Meltdown is probably the longest running um, artist curated festival, I would say, in the world. Um, I think, I can't remember exactly right now, but probably running for 28 years or so. And I've had the privilege of um, directing uh, for four years with Meltdown. So, so basically, I was the head of uh, contemporary music at South Bank Centre. So I was uh, programming, curating more than 200 gigs per year in all of its spaces, like Royal Festival Hall, Queen Elizabeth Hall, Purcell Room, and uh, sometimes Concrete Lates, uh, something I started, which is the nighttime uh, brand for South Bank Centre in the Queen, Queen Elizabeth Hall foyer. So, and also Meltdown, it's it's like very important festival that they we have been doing for years. So we... I, as the director of the festival, choose a curator and artist to curate 10 days, nine days at the whole of South Bank. So the people that I have worked with are MIA, um, Robert Smith of The Cure, Nile Rogers and Grace Jones. So I had the privilege of like working with them for a year and then coming up with this amazing festival. It was one of the best days of my life, to be honest with you. Mm. And... um, <laughs> What was the question? <laughs> I want to add that Grace Jones 
called you up on stage and said thanks and gave you a cuddle on stage oh, in front yes. of everyone as well. Exactly. I, I mean, mean, not in the not on the stage. She basically, a friend of mine took my phone while we were like watching Grace Jones as the producer of Meltdown, actually, Rodri. And then he was like, my, my phone doesn't have a battery. Can I have your phone? And then he was just like recording without telling me. And it was basically like a surprise to me because oh. it was the Grace Jones Festival. I planned it. We planned it together uh, before the pandemic, but before the pandemic, it had to be just postponed twice. And it happened after I left because of that. So basically, she gave a thank you to me, uh, mentioned me from the stage, and he was recording it and also recording me. I was like, oh, my God, she said my name. <laughs> kind of. And then I oh. went backstage and at backstage, we just like hang out a little bit. She gave me a cuddle. I mean, I've known her from I did a gig with her uh, in Istanbul years, years, years ago. But of course, yeah. Anyways, it was it was an amazing time. So your question about Rob. Robert is like what I kind of bring from South Bank, that energy and also ICA being this like super energetic place. So when I first got the job, I remember after years coming back to the ICA, but people not knowing that I've got the job yet. And I think there was there was a party that was happening like uh, in all of uh, lower gallery and upper gallery as well. And then I, it just blew my mind the people that I saw, like you did, like last week at the opening. Such a diverse crowd of people, a lot of people of color, which makes me feel I belong, to be honest with you. And really, really young people. Uh, it's quite queer as well. It's, as you say, it's quite safe. Like, it's like a haven in, in a way that you can come and you can feel welcomed and you belong. And so basically that was my feeling when I first went in after so many years and I was just like amazed at it and it made me so happy that I've got the job like to be honest like that was the moment I felt yes this is it and I think I can bring some um some of the experiences some of the learnings that I've got from uh, South Bank here was my take on it. How did you find yourself running the South Bank Center so you're, you're from Turkey and um you were running a you were doing odd jobs to begin with at the Istanbul Foundation for Culture and Arts. And then you set up a salon uh, that was part of the institute there. And, and and how did you find yourself in London? This is 2016, right? And I, I also read that I did read that you did first visit London after winning tickets to go and see Prince at Wembley <laughs> Arena in 1995. And that was, your that. that was your first visit to the UK. And then yeah. suddenly, like a decade later, you're running one of the major, <laughs> major cultural <laughs> spots in London. That's so an incredible cool. leap. Yeah, that was 1995. <laughs> and Prince wasn't called Prince. It was probably his first... Oh, the symbol. The symbol. symbol. That was, was the best era. I love him. Yeah, it was oh. amazing. Formerly known as, yeah. Formerly known as. The artist formerly known as Prince. It was amazing. Yeah, I, I basically won a contest on the radio that you had to just like send uh, Coca-Cola or Pepsi like bottles to... I mean, it was it was weird. I didn't do that, but I somehow... It's a long story. But basically, I came to London in 1995. That was my first time ever. And I did kind of do, um, I mean, I studied management and my father was a bank manager. And so I kind of didn't, in Turkey where I grew up, there is, of course, art. It's a, such an amazing history of a city, like centuries, centuries. But in terms of coming out of the uh, high school, going to college, art is not specifically a very, 
like your parents don't tell you that you can become an artist or you can go into arts and culture as a, as a business. I think it's more like you have to either become an engineer, a doctor or, you know, something. So I kind of had to study management, which I'm grateful now at the moment. But from year one, I started working at, at I found places that would make me happy. So I had a friend who was working in a radio station. So I went to him and said, like, do you have any job for me? And they were kind of working with MTV. So I, but I was like, I would mop the floors. I just want to be there. And I kind of went in there like that. I did a bit of DJing, did a bit, a bit of TV curating in terms of music videos, etc. Then I said, yeah, I really like this uh, arts and culture, music. It's my life. What can I do? So I decided to go and have a master's degree after I finished my studies at management. But then for um, in New York, there was this school called New School and they had a Master of Culture and Arts. But then someone who was working at Polygram back then, which is Universal Music right now, said, why are you going like spending money and going to New York away from your parents? Come start working, working with us. And that's how I kind of went into those like odd jobs. And one thing led to another. Um, I went bankrupt before I was 30, trying to do an open air festival, music festival. Mm. Yeah. Good times. <laughs> oh, scary. That sounds scary yeah. to be dealing with that at that age. It, it was scary. I always say I had to buy an experience you cannot buy with money. With money. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. Oh, God. Yeah. With the money that I didn't have. So it was, yeah. And then kind of I started working for Istanbul Foundation for Culture and Arts. I ran a record label. I was managing director of a record label for two years. And yes, yeah, as, as you said, before I got here, I did Salon which was a multi-arts actually um, venue within Istanbul Foundation for Culture and Arts. So we had theater on Mondays. We did independent theater. Uh, we had uh, music like from St. Vincent to John Grant to Niels Fromm, like big names coming to 400 capacity, our 400 capacity room. Um, the only thing we didn't have was, I think, classical music. And we were also working with Istanbul Biennial, etc., the film festival, because Istanbul Foundation for Culture and Arts is an amazing institution that's been running around for 50 years now. So, um, so I had the privilege of that. But basically, um, I did everything that I could. I'm, I'm a big believer in learning. And I thought that I wasn't challenging myself or learning anything more in Istanbul anymore. And also, um, yeah, I think that was the main main reason. So, and also, I feel that the London is this amazing city, right? All arts and culture goes through London, and then all the other cities. I think Paris, Berlin, all the, even the big cities have the branches of that, in my view. And that's why I wanted to be where everything was kind of being born. Everything was being generated. So I thought maybe I could learn something and I could be of use here. And I was so lucky to get the job at uh, South Bank Centre. So the sure. salon you just mentioned, um, this was something that you built from scratch. You you raised 100% the funding from brand partnerships, from sponsorships, from ticketing. And is this something that now you've come to London to, when you come to London to run South Bank, is it still going? Uh, Salon is definitely going. It's wow. super, super successful. I left it to, I mean, then my right, um, kind of my right arm. Is that what you say? Like yeah. she, she was kind of my assistant. And then um, she's amazing, Dennis. Uh, she is running Salon. But, you know, Salon 
belongs to this uh, like Istanbul Foundation for Culture and Arts. So it is supported by that big vessel and that big experience there uh, of the people in there. So I would say it's not just me. It was teamwork when we built it, but mm. I was trusted that position artistically and in terms of managing it um, and to start it off from its title to its interior design to everything, basically. Mm. And yeah, I'm grateful. When it comes to brand partnerships, you work with brands to kind of bring the money in. How important is it, do you think, as someone who's been running buildings now for a while, that brands do get involved with the arts and do support the arts and what sort of effect that really has on programs? Oh, quite a lot. I mean, if you're coming from a country that you don't have an arts council, per se, who is supporting the arts institutions, you have to be um, creative in how you get your money. And the brands, if you have a very young audience level, the brands usually want to talk to and reach to those um, audiences and visitors in a very organic and authentic way. And mm. actually, arts institutions or venues or events like the ones that we are doing are the best ways of doing it. I mean, sometimes there is kind of like a resistance thinking that it's commercialization. But in my view, it's enabling what the artist wants to do. If the sponsor is not shaping or censoring the artwork, which in, in my experience, I never had that kind of an experience in Turkey and not at the ICA as well. If it's just all there to enable the artists to do whatever they want to do, I think it's, it's an amazing thing. Because unfortunately, the government is giving less and less to the arts and culture. So we have to find a way to kind of make that ecology go ahead and support our artists. Yeah, and I, I feel really strongly that a space like the ICA, which is actually, you know, it's not the mainstream. It's kind of looking beyond that. And mm. and um, and it really is, it needs to be protected because that's where all of the new culture comes from and all the new ideas are formed from these, you know, younger generation artists or even older artists, but just people that aren't part of what's already happening. <laughs> um, it's creating that space for different kinds of voices. And um, I know that you have an amazing board now, which is um, led by Wolfgang Tillmans, uh, who joined, I think, in 2019. And last year, you did an amazing uh, fundraising auction. And fundraising has been something that's become really central to running any art organization especially in a big city but i think you guys are doing such a great job because the auction that he um kind of ran at sotheby's had robert gober in it marlena dumas like all these incredible isa Genskin, really cool artists but also really generous donations and it raised a hell of a lot of money and then we can chat about something that we're also working on but i wanted to talk about the auction first so what was that like last year was it was it really exciting Oh, it was amazing. It was just like, it was the first time I've been to an auction and I actually bought a piece from it. Did you? <laughs> yeah, an Enrico David piece, shitty tantrum. It's next to my um, bathroom. <laughs> oh, so it's a photo of Rob, is it? Or <laughs> <laughs> Having a tantrum. <laughs> it, it was amazing, to be honest. But it, it was mostly, I should say, uh, Wolfgang Tillmann's effort. He basically yeah. wrote to everyone, he's the best chair that any director can, can ask for. He's super supportive. He wrote to all the artists, asked for their help. Yeah, and then they gave generously that we are really, really thankful for to all of them. And yeah, it raised like 2.2 million pounds wow. for us, yeah, which kind of became a reserve for us as well because we didn't have reserves before that. So it, it was kind of a savior 
for the ICA. But yeah, artists support the ICA that we're really, really thankful for. The thing that we're doing with you is also, um, and yeah, we've been running editions since the 90s. Uh, so it's, yeah, without the artist support, I don't know where we, we, we would be. Sometimes it's more than what we are getting from the Arts Council itself, from public money. So our mm. artist support actually becomes our, more than our supporter, of, more than the public money, uh, in all oh, wow. honesty. What is it you guys are doing then? Oh, yeah. So for people who don't know, I'm the director of Counter Editions, which is a print publishing company. So we make limited edition fine art prints. And uh, with the help of Bengi and with the help of Wolfgang Tillmans, we contacted a load of artists um, around the world, uh, mainly actually UK based, though, in the end. Um, and we asked them if they would make a print um, to support the ICA. And we ended up with eight incredible prints. And they're launching next week from the 26th of September um, as a box set, but also they'll be sold individually. And we have Anne Craven, who's an American artist that I'm a huge fan of. She yep. shows with Phila de Reed in London and Carla Gallery. Been on Talk Art. Um, Antonia Showering, who's a great painter with Timothy Taylor and a dear friend of mine. Uh, she's been hanging out in Margate since this project, actually. It, it became that we became friends. Uh, Billy Childish, the painter. Uh, Chris Afili, incredible painter. Hannah Quinlan and Rosie Hastings. Lisa Bryce, Mandy El Saig, and Peter Doig. So those eight artists all came together to make brand new prints to fundraise for the ICA. And we're hoping to raise a lot of money. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. What's it been like working with us? Because I've really loved working with you. It's been so fun. <laughs> oh, it's, it's been a privilege, to be honest with you. I think it was a very, I would say, collaborative process, which I loved. Like you came up with ideas, we came up with ideas. We looked at the artists who kind of presented at the ICA, had some kind of relationship with the ICA. But then again, we also, four of them kind of do. And the other four were the artists that we liked, that we somehow would like to work with, I guess, um, that we knew that although maybe they didn't have a relationship with the ICA, they had an emotional relationship with the ICA. Yes. They wanted to support the ICA. And the artists uh, safeguard the space for those artists that we are kind of supporting. So it was it was a great I'm I'm so excited. I'm actually buying one. <laughs> which one oh, which one are you gonna get? You allowed to say? I'm I'm getting all of them. I'm getting the box. Ah. Love Get that. in the box Ooh, it. Eight. So how does it, so how does it work then? So these prints will sell, and then a portion will go to the ICA, and a portion will go to the artists. How does this? Yeah, how do you work th- this all out? A, 
a third goes to the ICA, a third goes to the artist, and a third goes to Counter. And Counter Editions actually upfronts all the money to make all the prints. Oh, wow. So there's no risk to the charity. So yeah. it means, say for some weird reason, nothing sold. I mean, that's not going to happen. I've already sold about 15 box sets to our VIPs. But, um, and Bengi. But, um, who is a VIP, and, Including Bengi, who's one of our Bengi. VIPs. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but what I mean is it's a really great kind of platform, you know, to help to help the charity because they don't actually need to upfront any money. So yeah, yeah, thanks a lot, really. And it's it also like an advocacy amazing. thing, I think, isn't it? Because yes. it kind of creates a story through images as well. Yes, exactly. And uh, yeah, definitely. I've come to uh, the print studio. I've seen some of the artists working on the prints. I've I've seen how it's how they are being printed, etc. It has been such an amazing. We did actually a tour to Margate, and went to Counter Edition, saw the prints. Hannah and Rosie were there mm. uh, while we were there. It was great. Love. And then we went to the artist studios as well. It was such a great day that day at Margate. I, really I love Hannah and Rosie's again. print as well with uh, all these nurses. So strike, it's like striking, yeah, mm. striking nurses. And I think they're from different generations even. So it's like this idea that why is this constantly happening that nurses have to strike when they're the people we need most? So, so, such relevant uh, subject, isn't it? Uh, I, I hope that in 25 years' time we won't have that subject, but I somehow feel we will. And yeah, I, it's one of my favourites as well, to be honest. Yeah, it's a really great one. And Wolfgang was so helpful. I love him. Yeah, Wolfgang is a legend. How does running a building... Of, uh, of the arts affect the way that you enjoy art? Because I, I, I read this <laughs> quote where you said that you can't see arts and culture as an audience member anymore. You have an organiser's perspective. You're always alert. And I never really considered that, that if you're running these spaces, that it affects the way that you actually can enjoy art going <laughs> forwards. Totally ruined me. Huh? Uh, basically, <laughs> not just running the space, but working in arts and culture. Like, it's, it's a dilemma, right? You get into this arts and culture business, whatever, this world, because you love arts and culture and you love music and everything. And that suddenly, because it becomes your job, you cannot look at it the... I mean, I can probably count the number of concerts that I go now that I watch from beginning to end and that I enjoy and not just look at, oh, the bars are having a queue. Oh, there's something wrong with the uh, sound system. How many people got in? Are we at capacity kind of? It's basically, it just unfortunately ruined me a little bit. Um, but I'm trying to get back that energy, get back that love. Um, and I think it starts with going to other people's events as much as I can. And mm. which, yeah. I have a concert next weekend, so I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> I think a lot of people as well forgot that the ICA isn't just about art. So the ICA is also about music, obviously, but also cinema and film. And that was such a crucial part. I remember that in the 90s being being really, really sort of vital and important. And I really feel like you and your new team have really brought back the focus to that side of it as well. And I know during Freeze, I think it's going to be announced next week, even when probably when this comes out, um, Hannah and Rosie are actually going to be showing an, an art film within the cinema there. And, and they'll be kind of partnering, you know, with you and freeze which is fantastic but how important is that side um, of the ICA for you? Very important that's how I kind of got to know ICA I know ICA has been this institution that is more maybe well known with the visual arts and the exhibitions that they have done back in the day and the legacy of it uh, is there but to me it's more like 
I, I would say that the first time that I kind of had my relationship with the ICA was through the exhibitions as well, but also it was through cinema, it was through music, and it's a very important part of what I do. Um, we, we recently interviewed Gus Van Sant and it reminded me that like his films used to get shown at the ICA. And I think there are so many kind of edgy, like people you've never heard of before, you know, different perspective kind of filmmakers who were often getting their films screened at the ICA before they would even have like full theatrical releases. Yeah, 100%. I think what ICA is kind of like the alternative to the mainstream anyways. It has been like when it was formed, it was that with exhibitions with all the artists that we had, but also for cinema, that was the case as well. I would say that it's like this um, flagship place of independent cinema, in, in my view. It's even yeah. more so with like all the cinemas like now closing down and we don't show actually mainstream cinema. We do like super curated um, carefully curated films, the things that you cannot see anywhere else. For instance, we have started this thing called Screen Practices where we work with communities and then they uh, curate a weekend of films with us or we can just like, we work with loads of film festivals. The biggest one is London Film Festival, but Korean Film Festival, London Short Film Festival. So we're bringing, we do believe in collaboration and partnership a lot. So we also started this thing called Out Tuesday. So we have like every Tuesday we have this queer cinema uh, being shown. And then uh, we have Celluloid Sundays. So we take back something from the archive, show it on 16 millimeters and it always sells out because it's not something that you can see on TV, on a streaming platform. Anywhere, So it's very well and carefully uh, curated by our um, cinema curator, Nicholas. Um, mm. And I'm really proud of what we do at cinema. But what you said, um, Robert, is very important. Like back in the day, actually, and it's very much forgotten. Maybe in the past 10 years, the shift has moved into visual art a little bit and it became the Institute of Contemporary Art. And my kind of... Um, what I wanted to do was bring that S, that plural, back to uh, the ICA because we are one of a kind in a way. There are not many institutions in London who kind of serve that alternative, uh, become a playground for those artists who are willing to take risks and who don't define themselves in any art form. They also, we have cinema, as you say, we have a bookstore. We used to have an amazing music program. The Clash played their first ever gig at the ICA. Everything But the Girl with Paul Weller was on stage of the ICA. Would you believe Shade played at the ICA? FK, Twigs, Floating Point, Fortet, Amy Winehouse. We have an amazing legacy of music as well, but it was kind of forgotten. And we have, I think one of yeah. your patrons was even Madonna at one point. She was actually, I think, more than a patron. I think she was a vice president. Yeah, something like that. I remember that too in the <laughs> 90s. Because I think for her, coming out of New York, I think she thought the ICA was really significant. And when she moved to the UK, she wanted to support the ICA, which is very cool. Yeah, yeah I heard that she did indeed. And she was a vice president. And I heard like people come to me and tell me about parties. Apparently there was a party in our National Brandon room where there was this like thrown like chair and she was sitting on it. <laughs> I wish I could see that. 
that love makes that. complete sense. So, so for people who wanting to visit the ICA, uh, the location is is beautiful. If you're heading down towards Buckingham Palace and you're going down the Royal Red Road, it turns up on your right on the Mall. It's <laughs> it's this white stucco, very architectural, important uh, building. So it, it it does feel a bit imposing if you've never been there before. It feels quite fancy. So if you're someone that wants to go in, what 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 can you experience when you go in there? And is is the venue free or do you have to pay? How would you entice people to visit the ICA? I mean, there are parts of it that are free and there are parts of it that you need to pay. But basically, I know from the outside, it looks like this kind of big building, like, and it, it's not super welcoming. And we're not allowed to put so many signage outside that just kind of shows who we are. I wish I could, we could just like put a rainbow or something outside that would say, come here, this is a welcoming space. But if you know, you know. And when you get in there, it's like, it cannot be so different than what it's kind of showing in the facade. It's yeah. like the warmest, softest place and the safest place inside. On Tuesdays, we are free for our exhibitions, but our bookstore is always open and you can always come and have a look at. Our films are, um, yeah, we sell tickets for our f- films. But you, if you are a Red member, for instance, you pay like £20 per month and you can come to any film that you like for free then afterwards, which is, I think, an amazing deal. And then our exhibitions, other than Tuesdays, is really cheap and really accessible. It's like five pounds. And concerts are usually priced from like really low to maybe a bit higher, depending on the artist, because we kind of need to pay the artist the most we can pay. But we have quite a lot of book launches that are free, Uh, We have loads of workshops and engagement events that are free. And we have a bar. It's quite cheap as well. (laughs) So I would recommend people to just... It's a cheap booze. If you can't get in for the art, you can come in for the cheap booze. Yeah, I mean, I'm offering you a cheap date, basically. (laughs) I actually went on a date there when I was in my uh, early 20s. And every time I come to the ICA, I always, when I walk into the bookshop, it's always like a sigh of relief because the outside is all so formal in a way. Mm. But it's so close to everything else as well because the new National Portrait Gallery, obviously so many people are visiting there and the National Gallery, but it's literally just a three-minute walk or something from from there. So if you are heading into into the centre of London, it's a great thing to kind of do the whole... Or, yeah, you know, just (laughs) casually hanging out with the king. Um, (laughs) One thing that just sets us apart, I would say, and I think I need to mention, is like... There's not many places around us and not in London, actually. If you wanted to see an exhibition or just like come hang around, there's not many places open after 6 p.m. But we actually are like the the institution that is kind of embracing that dark mode and dark nights, etc. We are a night venue. So if you wanted to come out of your school or your work after 6, 6 p.m., you can come and see an exhibition every day of the week that we are open. The exhibitions are open until 9 p.m. And if wow, you, that's so cool. Yeah, and then if you wanted to see a, a film, of course, you can go up and see until 11 p.m. And then our concerts go up until 11 p.m. And then we have, uh, like, for instance, Minus One, which is our club nights. Every month we have one that's up until, like, 2 a.m. And sometimes we do, like, building takeovers that might go until 5 a.m., 6 a.m. Yeah. 
program. So we're Whoa. such a, yeah. We're, well, you, I want to come. Yeah, you, um, <laughs> you love a party, Bengi. I've yeah, read. Yeah, I love you, a party. <laughs> and you're you're a DJ. So I guess you know. Is there any way that you will be DJing these parties, or have you thus far? I mean, I try to keep my personal and work life separate. I don't want it to, you know, I don't want people to say, oh, she's giving herself a slot. But, uh, <laughs> a headline slot. A headline <laughs> yeah, slot like... at BICA. Yeah. But to be honest with you, of course, I would love to play. Um, it has been quite some time since I last DJed. This work has been, London has been very consuming in terms of my time. But in, t- in Turkey, in Istanbul, I used to be a DJ and I used to just like DJ until the morning lights, basically. That was my time slot from 1 a.m. until 5 a.m. kind of deep house. But yeah, I, I, I kind of miss it. Well, you and Wolfgang Tilmers must share that affinity because Wolfgang loves a party, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, I always ask him, let's do it back to back. It well, would be legendary. <laughs> well, we, we would I, I, definitely be there for that one when that happens. We, we also met the other night Oli Schinder, the uh, really cool new fashion designer who's part of Fashion East. And I saw that Wolfgang had actually made music for the catwalk. Yes, and um, I, he takes photographs of his... Um, I mean, I've seen him take photographs of his catalogue as well. Yeah, mm. Oli, Oli is a good friend. He comes to the ICA quite a lot. A fashion designer that I actually personally love. And also, Gray, our artist who's doing our exhibition right now, also walked on uh, Oli's catwalk at the last London Fashion uh, Week. Yeah, he had the had Oli's logo on his chest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so cool. Uh, art solidarity in art motion. Art solidarity in motion, <laughs> definitely, definitely. <laughs> Well, we're going to get into our final questions. This has been so wonderful, Bengi. Thank you so, so much for coming on. I hope that people listening will feel like the ICA is for them if they haven't visited thus far because it's it's amazing. And, and, and Rob's right, actually. Like in the last five years, I guess, a handful of times I've walked into the ICA and I felt... I've, I've, I've visited, but I've never really come away going, I'm going to go back there. And actually the other night being there for the opening and talking to you now, I feel like it's going to be a venue that I will want to make on my, you know, destination list weekly because it, it, it feels like it's back. You know, when me and Rob first discovered it, it was so vital and part of the discourse of what was going on. And then I feel like that's drifted a bit. And I feel like now you've really, you've rebalanced that and brought that all back for this uh, new direction. Yeah. That's music to my ears, to be honest, because that's the kind of environment we want to create. I want people to just come feel really, not to just see something, but spend time there and yeah, feel that they belong, feel that it's like kind of their second home in a way. That's the kind of vibe we're trying to create, hopefully. And really good to hear. Thanks a lot. No, of course. So the first question we ask every guest is, if you could do an art heist, and obviously we've heard you're a collector, you could have any artwork in the world for yourself, what would it be and why? Uh, I don't know the answer to that, to be honest. <laughs> I should have been prepared for this, right? Well, you've been listening as well. I've I been listening. I'm always surprised people have been listening to loads of this. Listening, like, oh. listening on yeah. her way to work every day. Yeah, I was. Why, why wasn't up. I? I should have That's thought. So okay, I'm, there's this sculpture. I don't know who the architect is now because it, it escapes my brain, but in Turkey, which, which of a woman who's like, her hand is like this on the side and I think holding a pigeon. It's very cheesy in a way, but somehow with Istanbul on the background, it just makes me feel really uh, at peace and that that's kind of 
that sculpture I would like to probably have if I had uh, like a large garden. Uh, it's a beautiful sculpture in the middle of Istanbul. But maybe How old it's... is it? Has it been there for many years? Yeah, many years. Do you I, remember I, it as a kid? Not as a kid, but as a teenager. It's close to Taksim. Okay. Rob's just, just Googling. I can find no, a woman don't, holding don't, a pigeon. <laughs> All various images it, are coming up. Is it up, bronze but... or is it white? It's white. Okay. What I'm is it, Rob? I don't know. I'm just trying to see who, who made it. So does it look out to sea? I, yeah, it looks out to sea. I ah, can tell you yeah. who made it. I don't know. Maybe it's because... Kusadasi, maybe. I don't oh, know. No, that's a coastal resort. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not doing very well here. I, I think it just reminds me of home. That's why it's mm. otherwise. But I would probably not want to have it. I would want to leave it where it is. That's the mm. other thing. We can get you a beautiful picture. We'll get Wolfgang to take a picture of it for you. Oh, nice. oh by the <laughs> he way, he took a picture yeah. of us the other night. Yeah, he did. I mean, I'm a huge, <laughs> I'm a huge photography fan. So actually, I would want either a Nan Golden photo or a Wolfgang Tillmans photo at home. Which Nangolden oh. would you like? Is there a certain uh, period? Like, there's this one which is, you know, the, the, the man is sitting next to the bed and she's on the bed and there's that one photo that I love quite a lot. I think I love the brutal period. She's sit- she's laying on the bed and then the man just like is before he kind of gets up from the bed, he's, he's just sitting next to the bedside. This was it's a, a very this was famous a, photo, actually. This is an ex-boyfriend of hers that wasn't yes, very nice exactly. to her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Remember, so yeah. it's this brutal period, as I'm saying. I don't know why I want it. But I also have a, Di- I have a Diane Arbus at home. So, <gasps> like, it's an, it's an addition, but yeah. Yeah? What, what is the image of the Diane Arbus? And no, it's a... It's a um, I bought it in an AIDS auction, yeah. benefit auction in LA, like, a couple of years ago. Actually, yeah, it was bought to me as a present for my birthday. And oh. it's it's a building. I can't remember the name of it. My memory sucks. I'm so sorry. But I, I'm looking <laughs> at it right now. <laughs> You've I got a lot on, Bengi. It's totally fine. That's totally fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. Sorry. <laughs> the other question we ask every guest is, what is your favorite color? Uh, cliche, but blue. I love the sea. I love the sky. Um, blue is my favorite color. You're wearing a blue shirt now. Yeah, I'm wearing a blue shirt. I have, <laughs> have blue you got eyes. blue eyes? Yeah. You do. I do too. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, you oh, guys. guys. <laughs> you have blue eye solidarity. What is yeah. the um, best advice you've ever received when it comes to, you know, running a building? Running a building? Mm. I think for everything, there's two advices that I think are best. Is One is expect the unexpected. You might be prepared. Expect <laughs> the unexpected. You might be prepared. Okay, yeah. I always try to just like expect two, three steps ahead so that I I can just like be prepared for it, basically. And it's not about the buildings, but concentrating on your own plate is, I find, is a very important um, uh, advice in the sense that rather than looking at what what other people are doing, you need to just like concentrate, I feel, on what you have and what you can make of it. It keeps you on the right track. Maybe it might be correct for buildings as well. Yeah. I, I also read an article for, on the WIC culture that, um, you know, the term we have like knock on wood for good luck or knock on wood <laughs> to keep something. And, and you, you, you then said that the Turkish version of knock on wood was pour lead into the devil's ear. <laughs> kind of, yes. <laughs> I love that so much. So, so it's like the devil doesn't hear and nothing bad happens. Can you see the can you see the familiarity, the common ground on this yeah, one? I'm always that. trying to. I'm gonna start using of... this to the knock on wood. I'm gonna be like Paul Lennon to the devil's ear. Is there like yeah. a, a movement that goes with it? Like when you knock on wood, you actually touch wood. 
Is there anything uh, yeah, you have you to do, like? You do this. Oh, you like pull the earlobe like down. The, yeah, you pull, pull the, the, the devil's ear. Right, that's, yeah. our new, that's our new thing, Rob. Also, you've got good ears, Russ. Thank you. So you uh, can put, get very, a lot of lead into my ears. A lot of lead in there. It's very <laughs> handy, isn't it? Yeah. Um, before we finish, I just want to say a really beautiful quote from Tilda Swinton, who in 2022 said that the ICA is holding and protecting the course for the brightest horizon. I thought that was so beautiful. And I love Tilda Swinton. And if she loves the ICA, then everyone else should too. She's one of our trustees. So, yeah, yeah, she does love the ICA. And that's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful quote that she gave for us for our 75th year campaign, actually. Another one that I like, if I may say, because I think it kind of summarizes what the ICA is about, is from Steve McQueen. And he said, ICA is the start of my beginning. So I hope that ICA will be the start of, and as it has always been, the, the beginnings of artists and the people who are coming to the ICA go through our doors to be inspired, to meet people and then grow out of it and do amazing, amazing things in the future. But never forget about the ICA. Give us <laughs> their pieces for us to auction off and make money out of and save, <laughs> save the ICA in the future. And also yeah. help us with their editions and yeah, Basically, we're super grateful to all these artists that we mentioned today. So, yeah, I just want to yeah. thank them. Well, thank you, Bengi, so much. We've loved talking with you. And for everyone listening, you can visit countereditions.com from the 26th of September, 2023. And over those following three days, uh, we'll be launching all of the eight prints by the artists we mentioned earlier. So it's a great way to support the ICA. But more importantly, even than that, is get into the ICA. If you're in London, go visit. See Gray's new exhibition, which we adored. And um, just go with your friends, hang out, go on a date. How long you know, is that running for, Rob? How long is Gray's exhibition up for? Until end of December. Oh, okay, great. Great, great, great. So if you're coming into London for Freeze Art Fair, for example, then head down to the ICA and yeah. see Gray's exhibition. It's fantastic. Also, can I just add something that Rob said with Hannah and Rosie? Actually, we are the venue for uh, artists moving image for Freeze Art Fair. So any kind of artist moving image you want to see, come to the ICA and it will be only at the ICA and it will be amazing. So yes, cool. and then you can see Grey, you can see that. If you hang around long enough, you'll, I'm sure you're going to see a party as well. And, then, and have a cheap drink. Yeah, well, you've got to let yep. us know about the next the next club night because Russ and I can get all our friends together. And oh, we yeah. should do a tour cart Please takeover. Do. Oh my God, have a tour cart club night. How fun would that yeah, be? Yeah, it would be Bengi. amazing. I'm looking for that. Looking forward to that. It's happening. It's happening. I'll DJ. Yeah, so, um, <laughs> yes. What is the ICA on Instagram? Is it just ICA? Um, ICA London, if I'm ICA not London. Yep. Yeah. And you can visit their website, which is ICA.art, which I really like a lot. Um, and we'll be back very soon. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks, Bengi. Thanks, Thank Bengi. you. Bye. 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 You've been listening to Talk Art with Robert Diamond and Russell Toby. Follow us on Instagram at Talk Art, where you can view images of all artworks discussed in today's episode with music by Jack Northover. Subscribe to Talkart at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Give us a rating and write us a comment. Thanks for listening. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. 
Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.